Hello and welcome to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. My name is Ava and today the episode is about a personal share, a little bit about my life, how I'm parenting, about my relationship, our home situation. As a lot of you know, I have a baby named Jasmine who's 11 months old now. She'll be turning one year on Christmas Day as we approach that. Um, so I thought it would be a good time to share a little bit about what's been going on behind the scenes for us. You know, 12 months in, we've been through a lot of different phases. So, you know, there's a lot to look back on. And I receive a lot of questions all the time about, you know, how do you manage? How is this going for you? How is sleep? How is food? How's your relationship? How is your energy? And Actually, what I get the most of is assumptions and projections, and they tend to be quite positive. You know, oh, Jasmine is so calm. Oh, how do you guys are super parents or how are you doing it? You know, because of the way that a lot of people know me, you know, there's so many, so many people that I, I know have met me through our silent meditation retreats. They've met me through the studio. They've met me through the podcast, as in that's the first, you know, encounter they have met me from, you know, even if it's that we didn't have a face-to-face -face meeting, but that's how, you know, they, they first encountered me, they first know me. So there are assumptions and projections. And I wanted to, you know, just kind of pull the curtain back a little bit, share honestly, and answer a couple of the questions that I've received as well. So thanks for sharing your questions to me about, you know, what you're most interested in. And I guess the where I want to start is this idea that Jasmine is always settled, that her parents are calm, that, you know, we're super evolved, you know, that we're, that we're different in some way. You know, we're all on a continuum of how many resources we have, you know, emotional, financial, time, relational resources, support. So, you know, my family isn't in a kind of different league, you know, but we are on a continuum with everyone else in terms of how much resources we have. And Jasmine is not always settled, but, you know, looking back now, I can see that there have been different phases that have felt really significant for me. And I think there have been a few harder phases. And looking back, two to six weeks was quite a challenging phase for me in terms of Jasmine not being very settled, you know, so needing a lot of attention, you know, needing continuous attention, needing continuous soothing. And who is the best soother? Not a person, but the breasts. <laughs> you know, that are attached to my body. So needing that continuous soothing, not, you know, me not being able to have that autonomy with my time, my body. So two to six weeks, that was only, you know, like a four, five week period. But then also a challenging period was five to 10 months as well. So, you know, just up until quite recently. And I think because after a, about five months, I started to feel sleep deprived. And, you know, I was having broken sleep, being woken up every two hours, you know, maximum stretch of sleep, two hours without being woken up. But that actually didn't, you know, I was kind of running on old stores and old resources till about five months. And then I started to actually feel sleep deprived. 
And yeah, just so interesting. That comes at different phases. I know mums that feel sleep deprived after the first night of missing sleep, but that was something that I had. I, I was rested, even though I wasn't sleeping well in the last, you know, four months of the pregnancy. I was, I was also waking up with a leg and back pain. I needed to walk around and really couldn't sleep, but I, but I had that certain reserve and that, you know, that, that sleep resource, when that one gets lowered or removed, everything else becomes a little bit more difficult. And, you know, Jasmine's teething, Jasmine's growing. There was a lot of shifts with us. We were moving. Also, you know, after we moved, I was traveling to Perth every single week for seven weeks, which meant that I was away for two full days and one night. And also Jared was also traveling at a different time in the week for about four weeks in a row. So there were many contributing factors, many contributing factors to that. And, you know, the babies, the children, the people, you know, we have these phases, we have these different cycles. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we face is that we, you know, as we go through these changes and phases and uncertainty and, you know, as adults, as children, as we observe others in our job, like in all these different areas of our experience, there's these cycles and phases of the unknown and of the change. And we are plagued with this question, do I need to act or do I need to trust? Do I need to take action? Do I need to do something about this? Or do I need to wait? Do I need to trust? Do I need to allow? Do I need to accept? And this is just such a, um, you know, this is the big question. This is a question that I have encountered in such a huge way in my life. In the business, I think has, you know, that question comes up a lot with so many different challenges. When a challenge arises, you know, and we feel uncomfortable, we feel challenged, we feel stretched, we're in that unknown or something's uncomfortable. Do I need to do something about this or do I need to accept it? Do I need to let go of my resistance to it or do I need to act in a way you know, do I need to assert a boundary? Do I need to communicate? But for me personally, the biggest area this has shown up for me, the like the real rite of passage in this dilemma was actually in my intimate relationship with Jared, because we have been through many phases and our phases have been really long and really challenging, you know, with us both, you know, being in businesses and being in different places in our lives, you know, with different values, different energies. And it's like, well, do we need to get on the same page? Or do we need to just wait? <laughs> do we need to break up? Or do we need to just accept things where they are and let time, you know, wait till this phase ends? Do we need to work on this? Or do I need to just accept where things are? And yeah, it's huge. You know, it's such a huge question. And I'm sure you can think about an area in your life right now that's feeling challenging. And then that dilemma is there. Which one is it? Do I need to act or do I need to trust? And yeah, just so coming back to the Jasmine part about this was that, you know, especially with her sleep, that was a big one for me. I think the really the only challenge that I've felt with Jasmine has been about the sleep. That was the really hard thing between two to six weeks. She wasn't really napping in the day. And then after six weeks, she was just having these three solid naps, super easy to get her to sleep, you know, feeding her to sleep most of the time. And I just felt like I got a lot of my life back. 
but then after five months, the nighttime sleep started to, you know, become a challenge. Now that started to become really uncomfortable, not having the night sleep. And it was just so hard. Do I control? And, you know, it, there was still this idea, even though it was starting to break down, there was this idea that children are a recipe. So if you put in all the right ingredients, that's, you know, you've got the right ingredients for the recipe. You'll have a particular outcome. There's still a part of me that thought that I was in control of this recipe. I'm putting the recipe together. I'm the one putting the ingredients in. So I'm in control. So I'm responsible and I can be responsible and I can control and I can have create a certain outcome. And of course, we can contribute to outcomes in our children. You know, we can contribute to outcomes in every area of our life, but there's always going to be variables that are both unknown and out of our control. So ones that we don't even know about and therefore can't control. And that's ones that we do know about and cannot control as well as the ones that we know about and control. And that is just the fact of life across every experience that we have. So yeah, that was, that is, and was an experience in our sleep. And recently in the past couple of weeks, we have started like a really slow night weaning process. And I think fast night weaning, you know, uh, processes and efforts are totally valid as well. But ours has been really slow with Jasmine in the bed. And it's the first thing that it, the first kind of step we took and I've planned it out so many times, but we didn't really plan this out and it just kind of happened. But the first step was like, okay, you know what? She's not eating really enough in the day. She's really small. So I don't feel like taking away all of her night feeds. Let's only feed her at 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. You know, just put her into a different rhythm instead of this rhythm she had adopted and was now fully accustomed to, which was this rhythm of waking up every half an hour to two hours for like the tiniest little suckle and then going back to bed. So not really feeding, but just having this kind of conditioning. Um, so we did that for a few nights and, you know, the first night is always the hardest. She cried a lot, but we're in the bed with her. They're kind of soothing her and in other ways besides the booby. And then within a few days, I was like, nah, I'm only going to feed her once. And that's going to be at 5 a.m. And, you know, a couple of times she slept straight through till 4 or 5 a.m. But a, a few other times, you know, she needed to be soothed and she was crying and stuff like that. And then this next phase came and I was like, why am I soothing her for all these other wake-ups? You know, she doesn't actually need to be soothed. So then we removed that. And now when she wakes up, we just, you know, lay there, maybe put a hand on her, but there's no like the padding, the singing, the giving her water, like all the stuff, like just a little hand on her, a little readjustment if she's crawling over me and about to like fall off the bed, you know, re readjust her body, but basically not manipulating her experience in any way, just letting her do that. And the reason that these steps have come in organically is because each time, you know, one of those kind of crutches has been removed, she's responded really well to it. So it's been like one day of her being like, hey, what? I used to use that. And then the next night, not actually fussing with it. And it's like, well, actually let's remove that. Like why she's still waking up some nights, you know, multiple times. Why are we like soothing her? She's waking up for that interaction. She thinks that that's what's supposed to happen. So things have been, we're still, I think we're coming towards the end of it. It's been like two and a half weeks or so. I feel like we're coming towards the end of this kind of sleep training kind of process. 
because so many of those crutches have been removed. And now she is sleeping for much longer stretches or she'll wake up a little bit and kind of come in and snuggle up into us, into our bodies a little bit, um, have like a tiny little grizzle and then just go straight back to sleep. So she's not needing, you know, we were contributing to her experience of being awake with all of these kind of different crutches and supports that we were offering her. So that's felt really good. And I'm obviously just getting more sleep because, you know, waking up multiple times and feeding is much different from just waking up and laying there. <laughs> and, you know, in the beginning, waking up and feeding in bed was so much better than waking up and getting up and getting her, you know, if she was in a different, if she was in the bassinet. So, you know, now I'm just have to wake up and lay there. I don't have to like move my body, you know, struggle with her while she's feeding and jumping around and like all these things and put my body in an uncomfortable position, wait for her to finish, roll her off, then move and go back to sleep. But that was, that was really hard for me because so many times in the night that was happening and there's only a certain amount of times each night that I was able to put myself back to sleep before she woke up again. So I'd find myself just kind of staying awake for those stretches and yet yeah, just being really, really tired in the day. So yeah, as we've done this little bit of sleep training, there's been a lot of other improvements. So she's eating a lot more in the day and just so much more settled in the day. She's not just kind of pining for my boobs continuously and just being really unsettled. That kind of conditioning of like, okay, I need to come back to the boobs every, you know, half an hour, an hour isn't, isn't there. She's just a lot more happier and playing more and not as interested in the boobs. So that's been a positive for us, but it's just so different. There's so many different factors. There's so many variables for the particular where we have done that. But yeah, hopefully this is just, you know, giving you a little bit of insight into whatever experience you're going through right now parents or otherwise. But I want to return to this idea of do I need to act or do I need to trust? Because for me, it's not as much of a painful, uncertain dilemma as it used to be. What I find is that before acting, so even if I was going to act, so I just take the contemplation a little bit deeper instead of just kind of back and forthing and should I do something or do I need to just accept this? What do I do? What do I do? Before acting anyways, you need to make a, some kind of strategy, right? Like that's at least how I see it. Before I'm going to take an action about something that has many layers, about something that's significant, about something that involves many people and layers and all of these things, I'm not going to just do whatever action, whatever impulse I have. I'm going to make a strategy. I'm going to think about what's bothering me. What do I need? What, what, should, what would I like to do? Would this be hard? How would other people, like, I'm going to think about, I'm going to contemplate, I'm going to reflect, I'm going to make a strategy. And so when I come up against this dilemma, I, I do that anyways. I make the strategy about, well, if I was to act, what would that look like? And doing that strategy, having that unpacking helps me to decide, do I need to act or do I need to trust? So kind of, it gives me the next steps. My next steps are actually give this another month, give this another week, just have this one conversation and then see, just kind of taking that pressure off of like, how do I solve this? And yeah, just taking that pressure and responsibility off. And that's exactly what I've done with the night weaning journey since month five, since I first started to feel sleep deprived. I started to journal about this. What would I do? How do I feel about this? What's the other people involved, you know, what are their needs? How do I feel about implicating them in my action? 
and it's kind of naturally unfolded. Before the episode gets too long, let me touch on body image briefly. So, you know, my body has gone through so many changes and I go through different experiences. This is a question that came up a fair bit about, you know, how have I embraced my body and how do I feel about my body, you know, after pregnancy and birth. And I, I go through different experiences. There's this experience where I really just love my new body. I really embrace it. Like all of the wonky bits, you know, the big scar, the belly, the the very wonky boobs. You know, I've got one massive boob and one tiny boob and... And I just really embrace and love it, like both from an aesthetic point of view, like I actually like the way that it looks and also just from like this embracing and love and gratitude and this, this symbolism of my femininity and, and, you know, having a body that is a mother's body and really embracing that and loving that. And then I also have this totally different experience where I'm like, what the fuck has happened to my body? Is this really my new body? So I kind of like go back and forth between them. I'd say it's probably about like 75, 25 with this really loving my body, even from an aesthetic point of view, like actually liking the way it looks. But I do have a very supportive partner. Like Jared is really supportive. He's obsessed with my new body. And that's really helped to tip the scales into loving and accepting my new body, the shape And to be honest, this is really just the same body image stuff that I had from before I was pregnant, before I I had a mom bod. It's just a new context in which to explore it, which has been really significant. You know, having this new context where my body has really changed, it's actually just kind of brought out and up body image stuff that I absolutely had before pregnancy, but it just wasn't, it was just under the surface, you know? really slowly working on body image. It just wasn't, you know, right in my face as it is now, but that's been a really positive journey. And also want to just touch on most kind of popular question that came up was how Jared and I work together as a family, as parents, you know, what's our dynamic at home. And yeah, this is, this has been a huge one in our relationship. Like I said, our relationship, you know, had a lot of challenges, really long phases of not being on the same page And this new context of having a baby, having a totally different context of, you know, Jared not working anymore, me being the primary working parent and, you know, working on our relationship together really for the first time, you know, there's all of these different changes, all these different contexts and we're doing really, really well. Like I'm so proud of us, really proud of myself, really proud of Jared. And it's just been amazing. We're both moving in the exact same direction. We have the same goals, same values for the first time, you know, and this idea about people having a baby to fix their relationship, like it completely happened for us. (laughs) I mean, there was so much work that went in behind the scenes, so much time, so much history between us that has fruited, you know, with um, Jasmine kind of unifying us. So, you know, obviously don't recommend that, but in our case, it actually really worked. Everything just has become aligned. Actually, we have been really compatible this whole time, even though for so many years, it hasn't felt that way. For so many years, we've been on totally different paths and really struggled in our relationship, have always just been on the edge of 
you know, separating and have separated so many times and have just really been in this space of like, this isn't working. Is it worth it? But, you know, it's always felt. And, you know, even with my strategy of thinking about how do I act? What's going on? How much more time should I give this? It's always felt like, The reason this isn't working is because of the context, not because of an inherent incompatibility. Like the way we're behaving is incompatible. We are incompatible right now, but it's not really inherent. Actually, the the root of this is the context. It's the businesses. It's the work. It's the lack of resources. It's the pressure. It's the trauma that's actually, and the the lack of capacity that's the problem here, not our compatibility. But the reality is, is that if you can't overcome all of those things, then the relationship is incompatible. Like the incompatibility is there. It's just about how much control do we have over those factors. But, you know, us kind of aligning, you know, being in our businesses for such a long time that we can then finally make certain decisions. You know, Jared can step away. I can lean in more. Things have aligned in a certain way that now they're going really, really well. And the biggest piece of advice I have for relationships, for myself in relationship, is just pick your battles. It's such a key phrase in my life. Um, You know, do I trust or do I speak up? Well, before either of those things, I'm going to need to think about it. And I don't want to bring my stuff, my, you know, in a challenge, I don't want to bring my stuff to it and tell Jared it's his stuff. He has a limited capacity for stuff in general. He has a limited capacity for improving relationship. And the reality is, is that I want something. I'm feeling challenged. I'm not happy. If that's the case, if I'm not happy with something, It's my responsibility to make sure my desires are going to get met. My desires are my responsibility to get met. It doesn't mean that his behavior is in his responsibility, the way he talks, the way he shows up, all of, you know, his input is in his responsibility. It is, but fundamentally, if I want my desire to be met, it's my responsibility to get it met and I need to ask other people to help me. And it's their responsibility to help me if they're in a relationship, but they're supposed to help me. It's still, you know, me kind of leading on my own desires. And I want to set them up for the best chance for supporting me. So I'm going to pick my battles. I'm going to really think about what my stuff is. So I'm not bringing it into the relational sphere where we're going to be working on things. And it's just kind of confusing everything. I don't want to waste that energy for either of us, I'd rather kind of do that work and that strategy and that contemplation and think things through and really contemplate my desires and what I really need so I can bring him really that minimal effort. Otherwise it's two people kind of going around in circles and he's confused and it just kind of starts to breed toxicity. So I guess, you know, that's one of the ways that we have been able to work really well. And that's a bit more of a context about our, you know, our situation at home We're super, super fortunate to have two parents at home because the working parent is is mostly working from home. And whenever I work away, we are going there together. Jared still goes up to his work, Community Brew, a couple of days in the month. And that can be really challenging if I'm just kind of left alone on the property here. Yeah, it's just hard to be alone and to still feel the pressure of needing to do all all of my responsibilities, but to have that support removed. So that's always really, really challenging. When Jared used to go 
to do those work days when we lived in Perth, I wasn't as challenged, but I think the this sleep resource being removed, even as sleep is improving now, I'm still super tired because it's going to take a while to build that reserve back up. But yeah, the capacity is just lower in me for that challenge of being alone with a baby. But hopefully that resource builds back up again and, and I feel more comfortable. But yeah, just you really start to feel for mothers that are doing it all on their own. Like just, it blows my mind. And especially ones that are also working for themselves and providing for their families. Yeah, it, it's a it's a huge challenge, a huge, huge challenge that I empathize for. So yeah, that's a, a little bit behind the scenes. Now it's time for me to go and help put Jasmine to bed. So I'll be hopping off. And yeah, thanks for listening and tuning in and look forward to sharing more with you in the coming weeks. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.